Hello, and welcome to Follow the Woo podcast, where each week I, Fenelon Kush, will guide you on a journey into the land of the woo. We're going to investigate witchcraft, meditations, the paranormal and supernatural, alien and fey encounters, gurus, shamanism, and, and, and all the woo. So hold on to your butt. This just might be the weirdest part of your day. Hello, humans. Welcome back. For the past few episodes, I've been focusing on aliens and conspiracy theories and witchcraft, all important woo topics that we will come back to again and again and again. But it's been a long time since we talked about ghosts, and I've been jonesing for a really good ghost story. So this episode is another two-part interview with Andy Hopkins. He is a spiritualist medium, a paranormal investigator, and the author of The Haunting on Park Road. I don't want to give too much away because I want you to hear the story from Andy's perspective, but let me just set the scene a little bit for you. The Haunting on Park Road is Andy's first book. It came out in February of 2021, and it is his retelling of what happened to him when he moved into a haunted house around the age of three or four years old. And he grew up in this house. They didn't leave until he was like 17. So that's a substantial amount of time in a hella haunted house. I've never heard about somebody having so many physical experiences with spirit. And that's what's particularly interesting to me about Andy's encounters. The house on Park Road is in Coleville, Leicestershire, England, and it still stands today. Andy and I spoke for about three hours, but in this part, part one, we talk about the haunted house, of course, his earliest paranormal experiences, the possibility of the house being a portal, what his definition of a portal is. He kind of sneaks in a little mini reading for me, and he has really great ghost hunting advice. Let me just stop talking and let Andy tell you what it was like to live in this haunted house and then... (laughs) continue to tell you a number of insane ghost stories that will blow your freaking mind. I mean, it's a lot. And that's just part one. Next week, we're going to talk about a bunch of other freaky shit. This is definitely a hold on to your butt kind of episode. Like if you're scared, you know, sometimes you just have to hold on to your butt. And that, that is what you might do while you're listening to this episode. I don't know. It's just what I would do. Heads up on sound for this one. Andy was in a room full of kittens when we were having this interview. So there's some weird pops and sounds. I did the best I could to get most of it out. And I think you can still get the gist of it. Bear with it. It's totally worth hearing what Andy has to say. Okay. All right. Hasta la vista, baby. Your mission is to help others see what is beyond the veil between our world and the spirit world. That's the is that one. right? Yes, that's correct. There is something paranormal that happened to you when you were very, very young. I remember you mentioning on the preliminary call. Yeah. Tell me about that. Like, set the scene for what happened when you were that young. 
Yeah, okay. Well, uh, basically, my mum and my dad, they parted ways. It was a little bit rough, you know. I know my mum was uh, suffering more from kind of low moods and she was quite upset. And But we moved on to our own house, so me, my brother and my sister and my mum. And as soon as we got in there, the house just looked off to me you know the walls just looked huge and the rooms were kind of cavernous and it just it felt cold and not just because it was single glazed and we were in the 80s where the heating wasn't exactly the best it just felt odd and I I couldn't at that age put my finger on it and as you walked through the the front lounge bit into the second room downstairs it got darker and it, it you could just feel like an echo in your mind and I remember specifically feeling that kind of echo and I shared a room with my brother he's seven years older than me quite an age difference there but I was three or four when we moved in there I was very young and weirdly enough the image is still so vivid in my head I woke up and I was freezing cold um, and I had my covers up it was just really weird and I was all of a sudden drawn to this spot in my bedroom And there was this woman, she was just standing there. She was an older lady and she literally just stood there smiling at me. In my mind, I was thinking, who are you? Do you know what I mean? It it felt really weird having this old lady just standing in my bedroom. Um, She didn't scare me, you know, quite the contrary. I felt the room warmed up when she was there and she just stood there. And I think back now and I think, bloody hell, why didn't I scream or why didn't I talk? You know, but it was just a case of... I just watched her and I smiled and she just sort of walked off. And I said to my mum the next morning, I said, well, who was the lady in my room? And she went, what lady in your room? I said, I don't know. She was, there was a lady in my room. And I, I told her about her and my mum says, well, you were asleep. You must have been dreaming. And I was like, well, I wasn't dreaming. I, I know for certain I wasn't dreaming. I've always known if I'm dreaming or not. That's how I'd like to say it. And she just sort of fobbed it off a little bit. And uh, a few days later, she gave me this newspaper clipping. And this lady was there. And it was looked like a birthday celebration. And I thought, oh, that's, that's, that's what the lady was in. What was she doing in my room for? And she went, well, she couldn't have been because she died here. And I was like, oh, it was just so you know it was would have just been a mind-blown kind of moment but I just sort of went oh well she was there mum just sort of I think it was hard for her because today she goes on ghost hunts with me she loves it she comes on all the events with me and gets involved as much as she can but back then she was trying to battle her own mental health issues and she was trying to raise three kids so it all split up from dad and I think she struggled and I think she just wanted it to go away so she didn't bring attention to it she didn't necessarily say don't be stupid but she just wanted it to go away I think yeah Wow. And that was the first time that you experienced, what do you call it? The other paranormal? It was definitely spirit. I've encountered countless spirit. You know, most days I'll get spirit speaking to me or I'll connect somebody or I'll do my readings. There's spirit, there's more demonic energies as well, which I've experienced. But this was definitely the first spirit I encountered. And it didn't scare me. It was quite a nice experience. I've never spoken to this lady again. She's never come through again. But I feel that she was there trying to almost prepare me, trying to kind of 
give me the heads up that not all spirits are bad because a lot of what happened in that house was bad and was more of something you'd kind of see in a horror movie, you know, where you get the dark entities coming out. And I think this lady was trying to reassure me in a way. And I think that she just wanted to say hi and she wanted to check out who was living in her home, you know. And you only saw her one time. Mm -hmm. That was it. She just came in, said hi, and then peace out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Interesting. And so did you find anything about her, like what she was like when she was alive? Not concrete. I remember the newspaper clipping sort of said the typical, oh, she was a lovely lady, you know, she was family to everyone. But I never found out anything else about her. If I look back on how it felt to me, she was just a motherly kind of energy. She just felt warm and I think that she picked up on the fact that I was getting cold in that room and something else was trying to come through earlier. And this lady's energy sort of just pushed that away because that's what happens a lot of the time on a paranormal investigation. You can be pretty damn scared and there could be something coming through and and everybody's feeling cold and everybody's feeling apprehensive. And then before you know it, we start to have a laugh or we bring in a better energy, a kinder energy. And before you know it, the room lifts and it's much nicer. So I think she was just kind of in a way trying trying to make the room better, make me feel better. Yeah, we're definitely going to go into the (laughs) nitty gritty details of the experiences that you had in this haunted house. But did your brother, did your mom have any experiences around that same time? My brother is, even today, is more afraid of that kind of thing. I took him on a ghost hunt once and he was just clinging onto my back all night. (laughs) It was really funny. But no, my brother had experiences in the house, but it was a lot later, you know. There was the things like those banging and I always remember as we were sitting downstairs, if we were at the table or if we were in the lounge, we'd hear running along the landing upstairs along the hallway upstairs and it would sometimes be so loud and deliberate. My mum always just used to sort of look up and she'd look back at us just to see if anybody else had heard it. And I always looked at her because I'd look up and I'd look back at her and she'd be like, it's just the heat, it's the pipes, don't worry, it's the house. Because again, she wanted it to go away. I don't think she wanted to acknowledge what was actually happening there. My sister, uh, again, she'd experienced things later on in that house the night before my mum's wedding to my stepdad my sister came screaming out of her bedroom I've seen eyes staring at her one set of eyes just staring at her and I remember waking up by her just screaming and she doesn't like talking about anything paranormal she's recently become quite ill and I told her about a certain spirit around her and she went don't scare me about it don't scare me about it and it wasn't anything scary to tell her but she just doesn't like to acknowledge it I think she knows and she experienced more than she let on to be quite honest and I think Mm. that's why she's got that kind of apprehension to talk about it I'm very surprised she read my book yeah well it sounds like it would freak you the hell out especially I mean I was checking out your website the other day and I was like do I want to review this because it does seem like it turned from from this really nice, warm woman to, I mean, tell me about it. First of all, how long did you live in that house? I moved out when I was about 70. What? <laughs> so lived there quite some time. But the thing is, there was always something happening, such as we'd always hear the noises. There'd always be cold spots. There'd be random patches of damp places, like little pools of water. Things would be moved, but it wasn't always nasty it wasn't always like seeing full apparitions i think all aspects of paranormal depend on what's happening around on the living world as well because 
if we're in a good place, good things tend to happen, good things tend to come through. But if we're in an argumentative place or a stressful place or a depressive place, then that gives the more negative energies more power or more strength to get to us. Absolutely. You know? I remember one of the most frightening events that happened in Park Road. My mum, after a while, so she got a new boyfriend and we called him Ratman. He was a bit of a sleazeball and he was a lot <laughs> older than my mum. And he always walked with a cane because he'd had a stroke. And we live quite close to a biker's pub and my mum went out one night with John and a few hours later I was in my room and all of a sudden I'm hearing my mum bursting through the door crying and then I hear John coming back smacking his cane on the door and threatening to kill us all. Yeah, he was a psycho. And I'm sort of trying to peer out the front window to see what's happening. And I look up and in the reflection of the window, there's this man standing behind me. And I've got goosebumps now even just talking about him. And I sort of swung around and I looked, I looked and there was nothing there. And I looked back at the window and he was there in the window and my bed starts rattling. And I'm looking in the window and this man's got his hand on my bed, shaking my bed. I'm freaking out completely. And then he pulls me out of the bed. Literally, I just get something cold pulling me out of bed onto the floor and I couldn't move. There was just this pressure was on me again, because there was something so nasty and horrible happening there. This thing was just loving it. It was supping up our energy. Like when he was in contact with me, I sort of got glimpses from him. Like I'd see these hands in front of me outside in the dark and they weren't my hands. And it was just almost like as he was in contact with my energy and my aura, it was giving me glimpses of what his life was. But i was just frozen. You see in the horror movies how you see these people just sort of stuck, like laying down there because they can't move. It was like that. It, it truly was. And my mum then ran upstairs and then all of a sudden I could move and my mum was on the floor and it was just horrific. That's something she won't talk about. Yeah. How did I, she get on the floor? This spirit energy just went onto her. She could hear the kerfuffle from upstairs in my bedroom and she came running up. And before you know it, this thing would got me mum on the floor and she was there. That was the very first time that I ever stood up to a spirit. I just shouted at it. No, as hard as I could. And she could move again. It was horrific. I can tell you that. Your mom still won't talk about it no, at all. She would just sort of go, oh, nod. Nodding, nodding at me and then she'll bring something else up she'll admit that the house was haunted she'll admit that there were some weird things happening there I remember she joked around with my sister one time that she was going to be doing a seance we used to call the spirit George we used to call this negative energy George just for the sake of it and I was starting to read up on things like this and this is when I was starting to understand a little bit more about communicating and I said well you don't really want to do that but you're going to give it strength by doing that it takes a tremendous amount of energy for them to yeah. be able to move something, especially yeah. a bed, a human yeah. being, two yeah. human beings and a bed. Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah. It was getting energy from that psycho guy. Yeah. There had to be something else as well. I think that it was a mixture of things. I, I don't think that this thing was naturally a demonic force. Okay. I think that it was a nasty guy in life. And I think that he was genuinely pissed off that he was dead. That's how it always comes through to me. He was just angry that he wasn't alive anymore. Um, I think that it was a mixture of the fact of his own energy, feeling like he had unresolved issues i feel that it fed on the energy of john battering down the door it was working on my mum's mental illness and also the whole street of park road seems to have similar stories of hauntings and since i released the book and it went kind of viral a little bit around town and people were saying, oh, we well, experienced them. Those houses were always haunted. And I was contacted on a history page 
on Facebook. They said that where the council building is just off Park Road, what used to be a chapel, and then somebody said that the graveyard was where Park Road is. So it could be all of the above and the fact that the earth there still has some hidden secrets amongst it. Do you think that that area or that house is or was a portal? Yes. Just literally across the road as well, you've got the undertaker and the morgue. The whole street, I think, has the makings of what I class as a portal. And from the different energies that would just kind of pop up as well in the house. What is your definition of a portal? It's literally just a doorway, a gateway, where the fabric between our world and the spirit world, whether you want to call it another dimension, another plane, whatever, it's thinner, and therefore it's easier to break through. Um, My friend Paul, he's got a portal in his lounge. (laughs) It's quite funny. Uh, We always take the equipment around the K2s and the infrared cameras and stuff, and you get so many fluctuations, so many different readings from this portal. I wish I had this kind of gear when I was living there, to be quite honest. But yeah, I think that it's a gateway. It's where the fabric between the realities is thin and therefore you get more visitation you get more psychic energy coming through right have you seen some of the the newer ghost hunting shows one of them is called portals to hell have you seen that one no no so it's jack osborne is now All right, okay yeah he's a ghost hunter now did you know this is there anything he can't do? <laughs> <laughs> He's a ghost hunter with Katrina Weidman, I think. She's awesome. But I wanted to ask you specifically about the name. It kind of leads the viewer to believe that a portal directly means hell. We're going to hell. Yeah. And what do you think about that? I don't believe in hell. I think that's for publicity, to be quite honest. My personal belief on heaven, hell all that kind of kind of stuff is we make our own if we genuinely feel like we deserve to pay our 10 cents and spend some time mulling over the things we've done wrong then that's what we'll do you know i i think that if we're genuinely good people anyway we we tend to just move on to the spirit world and we can visit or we can heal ourselves you know or we can move on be reborn but no i don't think there's any big guy with horns waiting for us in a fiery pit <laughs> Okay, so being one of the people who doesn't adhere to the religious narrative, why do you think some people die and become ghosts and some people don't? I'd like to think that when I pass away, I'm going to stick around. I'm going to kind of watch my kids scare the crap out of some people, you know, just <laughs> genuinely have a good old time of it. But uh, no, I think that it's up to us, you know, life can be traumatic. Sometimes we don't have the energy just to remain here. Sometimes we need that breather between life and coming back as a spirit or as a guardian angel or as another person we need some time sometimes i read for people most days and sometimes you'll get people who want to hear from for example their granddad and for love no money i can't bring them through and they'll almost be like i've shot a puppy or something with their face you know and i'll say well i can't magic them you know sometimes we need time to heal and if we try and come back too soon i always think that we don't portray ourselves properly For example, I've tried to connect with my granddad a good few times. He died crikey in 2004, and he's still not really come through. When I have sort of sensed him coming through, it doesn't feel right. It feels colder. It doesn't look, doesn't feel like he did. And I think that when we pass away, we try and come through too early. People can mistake that for something nasty or something demonic, you know. So I think that's the reason that not everybody can come through as a ghost. Sometimes people just 
don't want to. If somebody weren't very happy in life, they're not going to come back as a ghost. They're just going to want to kick it in the spirit world and maybe kind of be reborn or go on to guide somebody that they like or that they feel drawn to. I want to go back to the haunted house. You were there for like 13, 14 years. Yeah. That's a long yeah. time. Yeah. You have this really nice, warm woman who comes and she's like, yeah. hey, I'm trying to, you know, <laughs> make you feel a little better because some shit's about to happen. Yeah. And then some shit does happen. You have this remarkable experience where your mother is a witness and you mm-hmm. both experience the physicality of yeah. that. Would you say that that experience was the most intense experience you had? there no he's shaking his head no no not at all it was scary yeah it was scary yeah no that's like horrifying (laughs) when I was 14 that kind of age I was more wanting to be outside wanting to camp out and I remember my dad bought me a tent and I put that up in the garden I had my dog in there with me as well and I was loving life and after that experience I mentioned about the night where John was bashing at the door I did start learning more things to protect myself and protect my bedroom particularly because I didn't want these things happening again and I did this when I was out in this tent and you know it can be sometimes when you're outside camping and you've got the weird noises you've got the winds and all this sort of stuff and I unzipped the front of the tent and there was just I just saw these legs in front of the tent and they were just dirty massive boots just there my dog ran out all of a sudden I was sort of thinking shit now I've got to have to go out there and I'm gonna have to see where the dog's gone I want to go inside and my head was all over the place kind of thing but I went up onto the patio to try and see where the dog had gone and all of a sudden this thing had me by my chest here and I was being lifted into the air it was weird his mouth was open just like screaming there was no sound and that was possibly the most terrifying thing that ever happened to me (laughs) to be quite honest and I remember when he dropped me when I fell to the floor I cut my hand on my torch because I dropped my torch on the floor and I just sort of sat there going "What, what what just happened and there are times where I have to think am I crazy was I crazy do you know what I mean it was just such a breathtaking kind of thing I know when I was writing the book I was remembering everything so vividly and so fresh and it was just it was hard it really was pretty hard to kind of put down because as I was writing things were happening in the flat that we live in now as well because my energy was changing and it was just making the energy in the flat really weird we had a bottle thrown down the corridor at us one night just while I was writing there was nobody up there it was me my girlfriend here you know What do you think about that guy? What's your theory? You kind of said before, you just think he was a pissed off dude in real life. Part of what I saw when I had physical contact with him was digging. I think he was a grave robber. There's a big old church at the bottom of Hart Road. And I was always thinking that he was connected to there somehow. Whatever he was doing, it wasn't what he was supposed to be doing. I always remember the dirty hands. He was somebody who maybe worked at the cemetery, but that was only part of what he did. I think he was somebody who who took advantage of graves i'm trying really hard as you're telling me to imagine this like you're camping out and then all of a sudden your dog's going crazy you look you see there's these big boots you got to go out there and then he grips you and you can see his face It wasn't like before when I could only see him in the reflection. It felt like a Superman was kind of lifting me up. I don't think it was that high. It just felt more. Everything felt so intense. It was kind of slow motion. But yeah, this face, even if I close my eyes now, I can still see it. This mouth just open. And it probably the, the closest that I'd ever thought that something was going to finish me off, you know? 
And when you see this face, is it like we see in movies where it's kind of misty and white? What did it look like? He looked great. He looked real pale. It wasn't like just a hand floating there or anything like in the movies. He could have been real, but he looked dead. His skin looked rubbery. It looked odd. It looked flaky. It just didn't look right. It's almost like when you see somebody in the chapel arrest or in an open casket, it looked like that. You can tell they're real, but they look dead. He finally drops you and you look up and he's gone. Yeah, yeah. I mean, did you shit yourself? I think I was pretty close to be quite (laughs) fair. It was the most horrific thing that I think I've ever experienced. But at the same time, I knew I wasn't crazy, even though I was thinking I was. And there was a kind of a peace in knowing that I knew this was real. I knew this was something here. It was one of those pinnacle kind of things in my career, I think, because... Now, if I get somebody messaging me or asking me about this, I'll never think, well, these people need psychiatric help. I'm never like that because I've experienced it. I was going to ask you that. I was like, did you have a moment as a teenager where you thought, am I batshit? To be quite fair, when we moved out of Park Road, and we moved out pretty suddenly. I'll explain why in a bit. But yes, after that, when I remember moving into the new house and it was clean, it was fresh. From the front room, you can see all the way down to the kitchen. And I almost sort of longed for something to be there. I almost sort of wanted to feel something because it was almost like, shit, there's nothing happening here. Did I make all that shit up? I think after Park Road, I doubted myself more than I did while I was there because everything was so intense and everything was almost there all the time that there was no doubting it. And the fact that other people started to see things as well the longer we got there. Um, After the event with John and when my mum met my stepdad, he was one of these true sceptics. You could have a ghost go boo in front of him and he'd be like, oh, it's just the wind, yeah, it's nothing. And he'd, he'd take the piss out of me quite often, to be quite fair. But I remember one night... And there was this rattling, this crashing sound from downstairs. And we thought somebody had broken into the house. So I sort of ran out of my room. Malky, he came running out and he went running downstairs, telling me to stay there. And as he opened the door, he had his fist clenched, ready to hit somebody down there. And I remember when he went down there, all I heard was, what the fuck? And we all sort of ran down there and the kitchen had been trashed. All the cupboards were open, the fridge was open, yogurts and milk spilling everywhere. All the doors were locked. I remember saying to him, did the wind do that? (laughs) (laughs) And he just, oh, come on, tell me how that happened. I love it when something like that happens when there's a sceptic around. I really do. Uh, They always scream louder than any believer. Did your friends at the time know that your house is haunted? Were they like, let's not go to Andy's house for a sleepover? To be fair, I was kind of a loner when I was younger. I was always kind of the fat kid at school and people stayed away from me a little bit. I had one friend and he was a really good mate of mine. And he'd come round and we'd go out to the nature areas and we'd play Indiana Jones. And, you know, one day we were out in the garden and he went, who's that? Looking up at my bedroom. And I went, I don't know. And we went running up there and there was nobody in the bedroom, which was kind of weird. And he dared me to go into this little cupboard at the bottom of my bed. And this cupboard has a few tales about, like, I saw shadows walking into this cupboard and just sort of vanishing. He used to take the piss out of me. He he, he used to sort of, ooh, Casper and all this sort of stuff. But yeah, so I climbed in this cupboard and then all of a sudden he's screaming because he sees something. And yeah, he never came around again. 
<laughs> we sort of lost touch a little while after that. And I, I spoke to his mum when I released the book, actually, because uh, my mum always thought that he was a bit of a wrong because he was a bit rough and he was a bit ready. And his mum sort of said, you got him spot on there because he'd always make stuff up rather than admit that there's something there. Wow. But, yeah, people saw things, but people didn't exactly speak about it. Did you tell your mom? I mean, you stayed there for so long in this house. I'm just trying to yeah. put myself in your shoes. Yeah. If I, I had did. somebody pick me up outside of a tent, I'd be like, yeah. all right, that's it. I'm done. Mom, we have to move. Like, I don't care what I have to do. We're moving. I was always afraid of what people would say to me. Because like I said earlier, I was a bit of a loner and I never had like a massive group of friends. And I was always afraid of what people would say if things like that got out. And back when I was younger, and I'm happy now that kind of the paranormal is more accepted, people are more understanding. If you experience something, even skeptics sort of listen to you. Do you know what I mean? They don't penalise you and call your names. And I was so afraid of being told that I was making it up that I did keep a lot of it to myself. In my mind, I was afraid of being sent to a loony bin or something, you know. This would have been the 90s by then, early 90s. It's amazing how many things have changed since the 90s. I think because people are more accepting to emotional health and, and mental health and, and people class these things as energy, I think people are more accepting of when somebody says, well, this actually happened. And I think because people don't hide and people kind of make programs about it and documentaries and they're getting science involved in this sort of thing, you know, I think because that it's it's helping people like myself and other people that have experienced hauntings not to feel like they're crazy. It was appropriate for you to be mm -hmm. scared because you're right. Yeah. Like, where would they send you off to? Um, I remember when I was about 19 and I was suffering quite badly with my mental health and I saw a counsellor and I remember him sitting opposite me and he was saying, so tell me about yourself. And I was talking through these things with him and I said to him, I see ghosts. And he sort of said, do they tell you to hurt people? Do they do this? Do they? And I walked out of his office just feeling like, you just want to know if I'm going to kill somebody, you know? He was like trying to put you into the diagnostic manual, basically. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. And, and there was people put in psychiatric care for something that could be as simple as they're more energy aware and they can feel spirit. Yeah, or yeah. for women, for hundreds and hundreds of years, it was hysteria. Yeah, And they yeah. just like locked them up. And really, it was yeah. probably like postpartum depression yeah, or yeah. just like regular depression or yeah. any number of things, but we yeah. just didn't have the vernacular for it. Yeah. But you look at healing, you know, I'm a Reiki master, so I do kind of energy healing on people, but back then would I have been burnt as a witch? <laughs> I'm liking how times are changing. Yeah. it sometimes it feels really slow, but it's good that I decided to do this podcast now. And maybe, yeah. I, you know, who knows? I probably did this in previous lives too. I was going to say, you, you've got an interesting energy. I think you're an old soul to be quite fair. I, uh, I would say that. Absolutely. You, you've got a very interesting aura. Oh, interesting. What yeah. color is it? I, it's varying colors to be quite fair. I'm, I'm very drawn to your crown chakra, your divine connection. It's like a pink purpley color but i'd say that you're still trying to find a way to express this connection that you have and i think sometimes you think too much rather than feel too much because there is a bit of a blockage around your heart chakra and around your throat chakra so i'd say stop thinking so much and just say it as you see it that's what i teach my students as well when it comes to learning their spiritual development but i'd say that about you i would you've got an interesting energy i'll put it that way i don't think that you're stopping still either around your base chakra i can see 
that it's very fidgety, very itchy. It's either you wanting to move house or you're really just wanting to kind of get going and, and really kind of not stop where you are. I think this is just the beginning for you. Absolutely. 100%. Mm. Have you ever had past life regression? I have twice, I think. How did you find it? The first time I did it was with somebody who did it through like a hypnosis. And then it was like, I recalled and I found it incredibly powerful. I immediately was hypnotized, which I didn't think I could be. And I sobbed for like a big chunk of it. I think I have more work to do there. Yeah. When I walk somebody through a past life regression, I go under a trance or under hypnosis. I'd say less hypnosis and more trance state, but I take them to a corridor and I get them to tell me how many doors are in the corridor. And that's significant for how many lives that people have had. I get mixed signals. I, I had one guy and he was friends with JFK, apparently, hmm. you know, and but he told me a few things that I didn't know. And he told me a few things that I'd never heard before until we looked it up and it was there. And it was like, oh, okay interesting somebody i used to know in publishing he was a congressman and he described himself what he looked like in this mirror and when he came back out he went i know who that is and he he just showed me this picture and that's who he picked out that's who he was and i just think it's fascinating i love it i have a fear of swimming for some reason i've never been able to swim which is really annoying because i want to but i find when i try i just panic and i did past life regression i was a pirate apparently doing this mutiny and I was thrown overboard and I couldn't swim so I died is that why is it something else we don't know for sure but I think that everything is linking in now I think that my spirit has been in other bodies and you kind of take a scar or take a trait from that place do you know what I mean Definitely. Sometimes I meet someone and it just feels like I know them. Like you said, irrational fears. I randomly flick through TikTok and you see these stories that have been like these kids and they're saying they remember this, they remember that. And they take them to these weird and wonderful places and these things exist. Do you think, how can you make that up? Exactly. Yeah, we just watched something about that. It's amazing. I think that's kind of the same ignorance as saying we're the only things in the universe. You've got to open your minds a little bit. I think it's very daft to think that there is just us in the universe because you think how massive and vast the place is. There's no way it can be the only ones. I would be sad to know if we were the only ones. Like, oh, is this it? Disappointing. Yeah. <laughs> like, we it'd be suck. Really disappointing. I don't know when it comes to things like lizard people. To be fair, I've not really looked into it a lot, but I wouldn't say that people are crazy for thinking it because think how different we are from each other. So it's definitely possible. Maybe in sort of 20, 30 years' time, people will be like, oh, yeah, I remember when I didn't believe in this, and look here they are. That experience in the tent. Back to that real quick. You said that was the scariest experience that you had in the house. Was that the scariest experience you've ever had in your whole life? No, not really. I mean, I think it was the strongest thing I've felt, but I classed different fears differently because I remember finding a way into an abandoned asylum and seeing something in there. And I'm a big believer in spirit. Don't really follow you. Don't follow your home. If I went somewhere, chances are, that spirit wouldn't follow me. But I went to this place then twice on two separate occasions. I saw this thing and it was just staring at me. That was possibly the most scared I've ever been. 
just because I thought, shit, what happens now? I wasn't as evolved as I am now when it comes to protecting myself or banishing negative energies. And I thought, this thing is after me. That was possibly one of the most scariest things I've ever encountered, just because it it followed me. What did it look like? Could you see? (laughs) I saw this hat and just this shadow. It was a thick black shadow, and it was just walking like this towards me when I first saw it. And I remember going home, and I went on a chat room, and I was like, has anybody experienced this? Everybody seen this? Nobody responded to me. I then went looking legends and different types of demonic energy, and things really started to freak me out a little bit because they had bared a resemblance to what I'd seen. I, I can't remember what it they, there was about three different names for it, an Ammon or an Emion or something like that. But it just had this hat on it. Also like Jeepers Creepers kind of thing with the hat and just like the cloak. It wasn't as much as what it looked like as how it made me feel. And it was just, it chilled me to my bones. I'll put it that way. I only saw it twice, luckily. They just sort of must have got bored of me or something. But yeah, that's possibly one of the most scariest things I've ever experienced. There's plenty of things that made me jump. You know, there's plenty of things on ghost hunts that made me jump. I was in Newsham Asylum in Liverpool once, which is a massive Gothic hospital. And it's all abandoned. There's there's wheelchairs still there. The suicide bars are all there. And there's no electric. And I was working for a company as their medium this night. And I'd gone to make sure there was no more guests around. And when I was up there, right at the top of the building, I thought, right, okay, so I'll go back downstairs now. And I could hear footsteps just just walking behind me. I looked back, there was nobody there. I looked back, there was nobody there. And I ran. I just ran because I was scared. I got myself turned around somewhere. I ended up in this ward and there's this curtain here and a curtain here. And I just stopped. I thought, I've got to go through there. And just these two shadows walked like that, crossed each other, walked back. And I thought, there's no other way. I've got to go through there. And I don't think that was an active spirit. I think it was more like a recording on the building, but that was petrifying. It was scary. And there's a place in the Kidderminster near me called Dreclo Tunnels, and it's a big nuclear bomb shelter. And it's about six miles worth of tunnels, no electric. It's huge. It's vast. If you Google Drake Low Tunnels, you'll be able to see what sort of thing I'm talking about. Again, Google Newsham Asylum as well. You'll see what I'm talking about. And I was there with a group of guests and we could see this lantern moving from side to side, like between the tunnel. And the tunnels were kind of wide enough to fit like a truck through. They're not tiny things. Um, I was sort of joking to the group of guests because I thought it was the curator there. I just thought he was wandering around. And this woman says, oh, I'll go up there. Then I don't mind like this. She walked up there. The lantern went out and she screamed. I thought to myself, oh, I'm going to have to go and get her. <laughs> that was my first yeah. thought. I don't <laughs> want to go and get her. But uh, yeah, it's... There's, so there's so many frights, there's so many things that scared me, but I think there's a factor of it makes us feel quite alive. I feel that anybody can do what I do. Everybody can communicate with spirit. I remember after the asylum situation where, where this thing had followed me, I kind of thought to myself, well, I need to calm it down a little bit. And I went traveling for a little bit. And even when I was traveling, I went to Rome. And that is a hot spot for kind of weird and spooky. We landed in Rome at about half 10 at night. And by the time we found this hostel, we went and walk around the outside of the Colosseum and just the energy from there. And so everywhere I went, there was something there. So I think in a way that was telling me that this is what I was supposed to be doing. It was still tethered to you. Yeah, I warn people before I help them develop. I warn them that if you acknowledge spirit, if you open that door... It's very hard to close because you're always questioning, you're always thinking, and 
even if you do close it and nothing ever happens to you again, you're still going to be thinking about it. So I, I always say go into this kind of industry with caution because it can kind of change your mind. It's like and if, if somebody got abducted by aliens, my God, you wouldn't be able to, be able to stop, would you? you? You'd never be able to stop thinking about it. And I just think the paranormal is an industry that you should talk about, we should encourage, but also we should step into it with caution just because of the repercussions that can come from it. You know, talking about this, I'm thinking about what so many of my guests, because I, I have loads of interviews already saved that aren't episodes yeah. yet. So I've been talking yeah. to n- a number of people, not to mention all of the pre-interviews. Yeah. And I keep hearing sort of over and over again, you have to be careful with what you're inviting in and you have to know how to protect yourself. And I honestly think that's why I have blocks because yeah. I'm scared. And yeah. I've had multiple people now tell me like, it's time now. Like you actually want to, but you just kind of have to get through this initial mm-hmm. hurdle. Do you find that that's like a real occurring theme i do yeah the thing is there's so much that happens in life that is alongside the paranormal and i think you need to make sure that you balance things as well because one affects the other you know if you're in a crappy mood you're then going to give a spiritualist reading to somebody chances are you're going to attract the wrong energy or chances are you could get kind of a spiritual hitchhiker that then affects you because things don't feel right to you and it's the same with people who this is possibly going to go into a more of a taboo kind of subject but the Ouija board, people using a Ouija board. And there's nothing, in my opinion, dangerous about a Ouija board. My seven-year-old plays with mine and she loves it. The only thing that can cause harm when you're playing with things like Ouija boards or, or pendulums or spirit boards or anything or doing a seance is your own conscious mind or your own emotions at the time. If you go on a Ouija board and it says, oh, um, you're going to get hit by a car tomorrow, yeah, if you're in a weird emotional mental state, you're going to avoid walking along a road, aren't you? I lose count of how many times I've been told I'm going to die on a Ouija board. I'll say, okay, yeah, tell me something I don't know. <laughs> you know, I remember once I was at the place called the Motas a little while away from me, and there's this weird old tower on this property. And I was doing a Ouija board. There's about four guests on the board with me. It says, the devil's waiting in the tower for you. Nothing happened. Spirits sometimes are desperate to get attention. So they'll tell you shit that scares you. Mm-hmm. You know, the same as if ever I go on a, on a board and there's a message comes through for me. First thing I go is, okay, who's pushing it? I'm very cautious about people cheating because unfortunately they do. They'll say, oh, oh I'm your granddad. Okay, what's your name? And it won't spell anything. I'm like, mm-hmm. funnily enough, you'd know your name, you know, or, <laughs> or they come through saying, I'm your granddad. Okay, all right. What? When did you die? November. Nope. Wrong. Next. I think when people think about things too much, you know, it, it plays on your mind. I think there's more danger choking on a house in Monopoly than there is playing with a Ouija board. I truly do. I've never had anything demonic come and eat my soul. Neither has my daughter. Neither of any of the guests that I've done on countless investigations. I think you have to treat everything with respect. You say please. You say thank you. You say goodbye. But as long as you do that, put up that mental block. That's why we say goodbye on a Ouija board. Say goodbye and say the end. The session's ended. Goodbye. It's for your mental block so they can't then keep interrupting you. What the fuckery? What did I tell you? As Jonathan Van Ness would say, can you believe... I have been replaying that scene of the dude picking him up outside of the tent over and over again in my mind. It just seems so out there. It's hard to wrap your head around it. But just like Andy says, just because you can't see it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. 
what would that be like if you were just camping out in your backyard and then all of a sudden this weird pasty apparition thing like picked you up and held you by the collar of your shirt? Not to mention the bed shaking experience. I mean, that that's the end for me. There's no way I, I would have to go live somewhere else. In other news, is anybody interested in taking a holiday to Park Road? Hmm? I asked Andy if I could fly out and politely ask the current owners if they'd had any experiences and if it would be okay if we did a full-on paranormal investigation? Question mark? And he said, go for it. So it's going on the bucket list. While you're waiting for part two of this episode to come out next week, grab a copy of Andy's book, The Haunting on Park Road at Amazon. It's available on Kindle as well. And you can also check that out at his author website, which is paranormalchaser.com. You can also follow what he's up to on his Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash The Haunting on Park Road. There you can contact Andy about booking tarot and or psychic medium readings. I'd like to do that with him at some point, especially since he's been doing tarot since he was like 13 years old. I always think it's really interesting when people have a long-standing relationship with divination tools. Specifically, in this case, it's tarot, but I know he uses pendulums and dowsing rods and other things like that as well. So you can book with Andy on his Facebook page. You can also contact him on the contact page on paranormalchaser.com. And of course, I will have all of that in the show notes for you per usual. Definitely, definitely stay tuned for next week's episode. I know you might be thinking, like, what else could happen to this guy, right? But somehow, there's more. And there's enough to put into another book, his next book, the next chapter after Park Road, I believe is coming out this month. I will absolutely have that information for you next week. But all I'm saying is just wait, there's more. If you have any specific questions about a paranormal experience or you want to share your own haunting experiences, please email me at followthewoo at gmail.com. If you want to share your experience, but you want to remain anonymous, that's totally cool. Either way, I would seriously love to hear from you. Okay, I love you. Goodbye. Thank you for following the Woo with me today. If you love what you heard, please make sure to subscribe to Follow the Woo wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you're feeling particularly stoked about this show, please leave a review and or rating. You can also support this podcast by becoming a member of The Order of Woo, where you'll get community access and loads of extra goodies exclusively on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash follow the woo. The Order of Woo patrons bolster this podcast and community and allow for the creation of more content, products, services, and events over time. Every little bit helps, and I'm so grateful for the patrons who have joined the order already. If you've experienced something magical, mystical, or just downright weird and want to discuss it, or if you're interested in sharing your expertise, or if you want me to research a woo topic with you or for you, please email me at followthewoo at gmail.com. Join me next week for another woo topic. And remember, tell the truth, be nice to each other, and if it feels right, 